What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, it's Kelsey. Just a reminder that my comedy special premieres this Friday, February 26th on Epics. It airs at midnight Eastern time. It's part of a series called Unprotected Sets. I would love if you guys watched it and spread the word. Thank you guys so much for your support over the years. I'm super excited about it. And without further ado, here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Self-Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And today we're going to be doing an episode talking about um, living a more public life. And we touched on it a little bit toward the end of last episode about the recent Britney Spears documentary, but that really sparked a discussion between uh, me and Delaney talking about what that looks like for people who are, you know, ultra mega famous, but also people now becoming social media influencers and us as podcast hosts and comedians, when you try to have a public life, um, the, the good and bad things that come with that. So we're going to talk about mm-hmm. all kinds of things involving that today. And we have a quotable. Um, this was submitted by our helpster, Joseph. So thank you so much for submitting this. It says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Ooh. Oh, Joseph. Joseph. Nice. <laughs> Coming in hot. I like it. I like that very much, especially for the past year, right? Of yeah. the pandemic, of everything. It's it's good to be reminded that ugh, tough times don't last forever, but that we're trying our best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, if you want to submit your own quote to the show, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. So, Kelsey Cook, I have a few questions <laughs> I would like to ask you. I mean, this is uh, this is something that we've really been 
discussing a lot privately the last probably year and a half or so, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it's consistently got, you know, more and more kind of, a, you know, a topic of our conversations. And I would just love to know, I don't think I've ever really asked you these questions before, but what have you learned from going from not being a public figure to now being a public figure? What does that experience look like for you? And what, is, what has been like the biggest takeaway? I think um, one of the things I've struggled with is learning how to still connect with people in a way that uh, where I'm being vulnerable. And that's always been one of my favorite parts of stand-up. And I think my particular comedy voice is to share embarrassing stories or taking something that was hard and, and making it funny and something that people can connect with. Um, learning that if you are going to be really vulnerable and really open, that sometimes depending on what platform it is, you're sharing that, that it, it's the internet. It can, it'll be up there potentially forever and millions of people can listen to it. So I think that's been a big thing for me is learning how, like, how can I continue to feel like myself, share things that are vulnerable, but share things that I am comfortable with more than just like close friends knowing, or in our mind, I know when we started the podcast, we didn't picture that it was going to have as many listeners as it does now. But right. particularly when I go on, when I go on somebody else's podcast, um, Something like my episodes that I've done on Dr. Drew's podcast, right? I've I was so excited to do that show and had such a great time doing it. But in the moment, it you can feel just comfortable, like oh, you're just having this conversation with somebody, and I don't uh, regret anything I said on there. But it's like you know, it's a sex podcast. You get really intimate right. and you talk about some really personal things, and. I had, I was performing at um, Spokane Comedy Club over the weekend, and I had a guy come up and say something like, "It's just so crazy to finally meet you in person because I've listened to you for so long on other podcasts, and you know, especially like on Dr. Drew, it's weird to see you up there and be like, oh wow, I know so much about her.' <laughs> and it's, you know, and right. I know it's like the thing that he's talking about specifically, if he's talking about Dr. Drew, is again very intimate sexual details and. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy in the moment to talk about it. And then it's a little weird when you realize that so many people can hear these things and then just come bring it up with you in person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree. Like that's, that's been the biggest component for me too, is like, how do you share enough where people are finding it valuable, but not so much not sharing so much that it's kind of the detriment to your own mental health and, and well-being um, that contributes to a lot of anxiety and stuff. And it's just this weird thing because um, I, you know, you could say like, oh man, if I could, if I could go back in time, maybe I wouldn't have shared as much. Maybe I would have been more private and all that. But to be honest, I think the fact that because we were so open and vulnerable, I think that's why the show did get such a, you know, rel relatively large following so quickly. So it's kind of a weird catch 22 experience. Like if I, if somebody asked, like, if I could go back in time, would I change anything? It's like, 
I don't even know if we would, if I'd be in this position talking about living in the public eye, if we hadn't <laughs> kind of been exactly. so vulnerable, you know what I mean? Well, so. I think vulnerability gets rewarded, but right. at, at what cost? Right. And that's when you have to start to balance, or, or I'm sorry, weigh that out and decide, okay, maybe doing whatever podcast and being really vulnerable might get me a certain amount of new followers, but what if my family listens to that? Mm-hmm. And I have had that happen um, in the past couple of years, doing some bigger podcasts and realizing that um, my certain family members aren't as <laughs> like living under a rock as I thought. They're more technologically savvy than I realized and they've listened to things. And then it's like, right. oh, now that's uncomfortable and I have to deal with that or whatever. Um, yeah. And I also, not only do I think vulnerability is rewarded in a lot of ways in this business, but the way that social media platforms have evolved, they've started to add so many things like, you know, Instagram stories, or um, I, I know they have a feature like that on YouTube as well, but it's kind of this rise in popularity of the vlog. Mm-hmm. Where it's not just, hey, I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to produce this content that's really curated and um, controlled. It's like, no, hey, we have this new feature called stories where you just show your life. Mm -hmm. And that can make people feel really connected to you really quickly. And you're kind of bringing them into your world, but you're bringing them into your world. And like, how much do you want people in there? And how like... Yeah. I mean, obviously we, we've got a lot to die. I feel like I can just keep going. Oh, and going. I know so much. Basically. Yeah. This, this question obviously could be the whole episode, but exactly. it's, it's basically, yeah. you know, we're going to touch on this a lot. The biggest to- takeaway for me, which I know we're going to get into a lot more detail is that what have I learned from having a very private life and whatever persona, I don't know, to now being more in the, in the public sphere is that it was so easy to make assumptions about people when I was never on the receiving end of that shit. It was so easy to see somebody, uh, a public figure, a a celebrity actor, whatever, and just say shit and not think about that, that person in any way. And now that I've experienced that I will never be doing that stuff. That is the biggest takeaway for me is that I do not know these people. I don't know any of these people in the public sphere personally. And that is that is my biggest learning lesson because I used to be somebody who made a lot of assumptions. So that's right. really been a that's been a big change for me. Um right. another question I have for you. How would you respond to the people who say that public figures signed up for this life? You know, they signed up for their life to be public and they knew what they were getting themselves into. So they could they should just kind of stop complaining about it, basically. <laughs> 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 I certainly don't agree with that, but I, I just think that um, when it when you boil it down for a lot of people who have taken on this um, this career path that is more public, a lot of it in the beginning is people following their dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started stand up, you're not thinking about especially like 11 years ago when social media wasn't quite as big. You're not thinking about what that actually looks like if you do find success in it. You're just thinking like, oh, I feel so alive when I do this thing and this feels like what I'm supposed to 
do with my life. And it would be wrong to not. Like, that's, we say all the time on the show, one of the, I think the worst ways you could live your life is not pursuing the gifts that you've been given and pursuing your true passion, right? That is like the whole basis of the book, The Artist's Way. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that just because that's a part of your job and that there are hardships that you don't get to be upset about those things. It's not that black and white. There's, mm -hmm. there's totally gray area with it. So, um, yeah. there's a great quote by Lady Gaga where she says, fame is a, fame is a prison. Mm. And man, yeah. Like I can't even imagine at her level what sort of a prison that feels like, but we'll be talking about the Britney Spears docu documentary more in depth in the later in the episode. And yeah, what a prison that is. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, yes, there's a certain knowing that you are pursuing something that might put you in the public space. But I think it in the, especially in the beginning, like you don't know what you don't know. It's like, once yeah. you get there, your eyes are open to a lot of stuff that you didn't fully understand um, right. until you actually arrived at that point. And so I think there's a difference between maybe understanding on a, uh, like out of like theory <laughs> versus actually kind of experiencing something very, very different. Like in, in other professions, let's say that I had a job, you know, uh, a desk job or something. And part of that job was like giving a presentation every year or something. And right. I realized that once I gave my first presentation, I hated that shit. And I'm like, I don't really want to do this anymore. I would actually like to talk to my boss about maybe me not doing it next year or pivoting, or maybe I should just find a different job. You can kind of pull back and go a different direction. But once right. you're in the public sphere, it's very hard to get yourself out of it once you've already been there. It's like the, the damage yeah. is done kind of. So yeah. you can manage it and you can adjust moving forward. But if you are like, actually never fucking mind, I want out, you've already been out there. It's right. kind of too late in a lot of ways. Um, so you can pull right. things down and stuff. But I think that's something too, where you don't really fully know. And um, when you get there, all of a sudden people start sharing stuff with you that they haven't really shared up top about getting into that space. So right. I think that's fascinating. Um, right. A couple more questions. Oh, do you have something else, Kels? I was going to say re just real quick before I forget, because as we're talking, I'm having like popcorn go off in my head. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah this is this. I wanted to touch on quickly before you say the next question that how you said a big learning lesson for you has been to not assume that you know what's going on in somebody's life who's a public figure. Yeah. And I just think that um, that is so crucial. And even though you, you're never somebody who's going to go troll somebody online and leave shitty comments. That is something, unfortunately, that we do deal with. It's <laughs> like right. people actually going and leaving stuff. But I saw a really interesting example of that in the past, it must have been past year. Uh, one of the YouTube beauty people who I've followed for a long time, there was a period of time where she wasn't posting as many videos. And this YouTuber in particular is kind of notorious for get, like, she's just so famous at this point and she does get a lot of hate from people being like, Oh, like you haven't made a new video for us in 
in months, we see how it is. You know, you're just, you're going to create your own makeup line, take, take our money. And then you don't need us anymore. The people who helped grow you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then a certain number of months later, she decided to post on Instagram that her father had passed away. Mm. And it sounds like he also had been maybe sick for a while leading up to it. And it's just like, man, I just felt so bad for her that as she was going through that process of mourning her father's death, she had people basically calling her lazy Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, well, guess guess you're too good for us now. Guess you're too good to make a a new YouTube video. Yeah. And it's like, just a room, like, YouTube is free. Right. Like, those right. people saying that are paying her nothing right. to watch her videos. And yet there's – because now in this world of social media people, people feel so entitled to you because they feel like they yeah. know you. Yes. It's so different than an actor in a movie. It's somebody playing themselves, coming on yes. camera, doing their makeup, letting you into their world. And boy, that – and she's somebody who's been so public. She she really does do a lot of that vlog lifestyle that makes you feel like you know what's going on. And then she decided to be private, fucking understandably, about right. a, one of the most horrific things that you could go through as a human being. Mm-hmm. And people just assumed the worst. And right. yeah, anyway, I just wanted to share that as an example of like, you really, yeah. you just don't know what's going on with people. You don't know. It's weird. It's like... uh with public figures, we like, sometimes it can dip into, we, we don't really see them as humans. Right. And so we don't treat them like humans. We, we are, we do feel like entitled to as much of their time and energy and response or whatever that we want, because they're kind of out there for public consumption in a way. And right. so, and then of course, social media adds this accessibility. So it's so easy to send that message. And then it's so yeah. easy to get mad when they don't respond to that message and make assumptions about why didn't they respond, you know? So it's just this weird, it's weird because you think, you know, people, but you're seeing 1% of them. You're seeing 1% of their lives that they're choosing to show out there, put out there, whether mm-hmm. it's positive or negative, you're just seeing a sliver of their life. Right. Um, so where do you think the desire comes from as a society for people to want to spread negative information about other people? Where do you think that kind of comes from? I I feel like people see it as a hobby. I think people find community within being an internet troll, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is it's just things that I'm making, making assumptions. Uh, making assumptions about <laughs> right. making assumptions about these sort of people, but um, it's there's a reason why, like gossip magazines and um, gossip websites are so popular because people are in, interested in drama. They Mm -hmm. just, it's a human nature. I mean, I know we all like, of course, like you're interested in what's going on because it seems fascinating and exciting and dramatic and whatever. But um, unfortunately, I think a lot of it when it's malicious comes from a place of somebody who is not happy in their own lives Mm -hmm. or in their own life and wants to see other people not doing well. Right. And um, 
again, I, I use a lot of YouTube beauty examples because it's something I consume a lot. I watch a lot of YouTube beauty videos and yeah. I was so surprised. I saw a different, um, a different girl I watched talk the other day about the amount of hate she gets, but that when she, before she became famous on YouTube and she was not in a great place in life, she said that she used to troll people's videos. Mm. And I couldn't believe it because I, I love watching this girl so much. I can't imagine her ever being somebody that would go out of their way to publicly leave hateful comments. Right. But it was interesting that she's coming at it from a perspective now of like, look, I've been on I, both sides. <laughs> yeah. I used to do that. And you know why I did that? Because I was so unhappy. I was so miserable with yeah. my life and it felt like I was getting some sort of power by trying to kind of make somebody feel bad about themselves. And um, yeah, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I would say, of course, it's entertainment. It's escapism from your own life. Um, Escapism for sure. Yeah, and it it, it totally is. I think at that point when you are really trying to hurt, when, when the point of your action, like you are trying to hurt somebody, it's, it's destructive criticism. It's not constructive criticism. You are just trying to hurt their feelings. I think that is just deep rooted fear and insecurity. And it's so much easier to criticize people who are taking action in their lives than it is to admit that you probably don't have the courage to do the same in your own life. And there's some certain things that you really want to change, but you're too scared to. And I say that with compassion because I think we've all, we have all been an internet troll in some way. But even if it's not leaving a comment on a YouTube video, we have acted out of that pain, whether it's saying something mean about somebody behind their back or or in our right. heads or whatever. We've all we all know what that feels like. We all know where that comes right. from. So right. when I see mean comments that people are leaving, it it doesn't make me say, oh God, I I'm I really suck. It makes me feel bad for that person because I know that's coming right. from pain. And so, um, I also, I also know, you know, it's, uh, we're, our brains are trained to look for negative things. Our brains are not trained to look for positive and focus on positive. We got to focus on negative shit to keep us surviving, right? That's a survival tactic. Where's the negative so we can problem solve and we can save our lives. Um, so I think it makes sense that we are wired to, focus on the negative, talk about the negative stuff at the water cooler at work and all of that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's a mix of a mix of those things. Um, yeah. the last question I have for you up top, Kels, would you do anything <laughs> differently knowing what you know now as a public figure, if you could go back? I know we touched on this a little bit, but I don't think I really yeah. asked you for yourself. Yeah. I, that's a great question. And I think Unfortunately, at least with stand-up comedy, you have to fail publicly for so long mm-hmm. until <laughs> you're good enough to really be, you know, doing it full time or or making a lot of progress with it. But I, if I think about maybe other people's jobs that are not public, if you make a mistake at work or if you look on, at your work five years ago and go, ugh. Don't like don't like what I was doing back then. I'm so glad I've gotten better. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get to go through that privately. Yeah, it's not put on display. At the most, maybe it's put on display within your company or something, or like a, a, an annual performance review. Right. But it's not open to the criticism of 
crowds, the general public, the, yeah. general public, the internet. And so of course now, uh, after doing standup for 11 years, I look back on some of my, um, my standup sets from early on where at that, at that time in my life, that was as good as I could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years in, three years in or whatever, that's as good as I was capable of being at that time. And you're told like, you, well, you have to post it. You have to post it online. You have to get followers. You have to make content. And yeah. of course I don't like any of those videos now. I look back and I'm like, oh God, like what a dumb joke or like, you know, all this, all the ways that you're so hard on yourself. Yeah. But um, I also wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't been willing to put myself out there and try to gain followers. And um, so it's a bit of a catch 22. Mm -hmm. I I don't like a lot of (laughs) old videos and stuff like that because I've gotten better as a comedian, but I, I think I, you have, you have to just start, you have to give yourself permission to start somewhere. Absolutely. I th- it, uh, yes. I would say I'm so happy with where I am now. And obviously everything I did got me to this point. So if I went back and changed something, I could have a totally different life. And I would really not want that. I really like where I'm at. Um, but yeah, there's certain things that I, I don't, I wish kind of wasn't out there for sure. And I'm like, maybe if that disappeared, that wouldn't really change my whole life too much. Just right. old videos and stuff like that, that I have no control over getting taken down and stuff. But, right. um, yeah, that, that I absolutely understand how that feels. Yeah. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about safety and privacy and that sort of a thing in terms of being a public figure that we, it, it it really does start to leak into these other areas of your life that you weren't anticipating. Um, like I know personally for me, when I'm posting online, I have to be very, um, aware now of what I have in the backgrounds of my videos or what I'm showing just in terms of location. Mm-hmm. I have to protect myself and mm-hmm. and my privacy and, and all of that. So things like that that I didn't have to think about until more recent years. Yeah. Um, but also I think particularly as a female performer, you have to deal with this other layer of awareness and safety that's – Sometimes male performers don't. 
I understand that, especially if you get to a certain level of fame, regardless of gender, you have to be safe and careful. Mm -hmm. But Gary V, who we've talked about a little bit on the show before, if you don't Mm -hmm. know, he's very famous motivational speaker, life coach. And he posted something on Instagram that was to the effect of like, you have to engage with your followers. You should be responding to every comment on your videos. You should be basically answering all of your DMs. You should be having oh one-on-one. You should make, no. like, create relationships. No. And it's like, that is so... <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> only through a male lens in yes. that situation where it's like... And a workaholic. I get DMs so, every day and... A fair amount of them are from people who, um, based on what they're saying, I can tell, are not people I should engage with in any way because they are looking for something from me that is not safe. It's not something I'm interested in. Um, it's It's not an interaction that I am looking to encourage, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard because it's that, uh, unfortunately double standard a little bit of if I was a guy, maybe I could be interacting with more fans and just creating more of that. Like, Oh yeah, I got a message from that person. I'm excited to go see their show and all of that. Maybe more investment from, from fans in terms of just wanting to follow along with whatever your career journey is. But I can't, I have to be really careful about who I respond to a comment, even a comment even if I like a comment that's like super sexual, I, if I like that, that's sending that person a message that I, I want them to continue that mm-hmm. or I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that just, that to me, him saying that seemed so short-sighted yeah. or just very limited in who that applies to, I guess. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned, yeah, being very aware of your location and the backgrounds of stuff. Um, not, I mean, I remember when it hit me that I, I wasn't able to post Instagram stories in real time about where I was or anything where I would mm-hmm. have to wait a day or two and, and post about something that I was already gone from, like yes. I had left the location and I did, I am not famous. I am, I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I didn't have a shit ton of followers or anything. I'm not even I, at that level. And I still had to keep that in mind. And right. so it's just this weird thing where so many people can be a quote unquote public figure now with social media. Um, I had to stop posting pictures with my friends and family uh, because there was things happening with them that I was nervous about. Of course, the whole prank with my dad from back in the day was hilarious, but I'm not talking about that. Right. <laughs> I was like, go follow him. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Anymore, but that, that was hilarious. But there, there were other instances and stuff. But I think it's interesting because, and you know, even we've kind of touched on this, is I don't hear enough public figures talking about this because I think there's an element of fear of, of, of being scared to talk about this part of it, the safety yeah. part. And yeah. it's, you don't want to welcome more of that behavior. You don't want to, um, let anybody know that you might be nervous about something. And so it's this weird unspoken thing. And then when you kind of get into this world and there's a lot more darkness involved, 
then people kind of start opening up saying, oh, by the way, yeah, welcome. And here's my story. Here's what I've had to do. Here's what's going on with me. And you're like, wait, how come nobody told us before all this shit? Why aren't we telling people (laughs) exactly before they get here? And, um, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing. It's a, it's a, it's a weird balance of how much do you even say? Yeah, totally. Public space, but totally. mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Pretty much (laughs) the whole, um, inception of like layers within layers, how we're talking about, being yeah. aware of what we say on podcasts as I'm talking on our podcast. Right. And you better fucking believe that this entire episode, everything I say, I've been thinking, am I comfortable with this being out there? Yeah. <laughs> and like when I listen back through to give Emma editing notes, I like, I will have to think about that then too. It's absolutely, we're constantly trying to make sure that we mm-hmm. feel safe and comfortable with what's going on there. And that was not always the case. No. <laughs> No, that was not always the case. And yeah, it was not much more on this, I'm sure throughout the episode, but, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, (laughs) how do you feel now that you have deleted your social media? I feel really good. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, uh, it's been a significant difference. I think I, I notice more of the difference now than, uh, whenever I did it, January 1st, because I'm a basic mm-hmm. bitch. Um, but uh, I feel more in control in a way. Mm-hmm. I feel more like in control of, of something. I feel like I'm taking myself out of something. Um, I don't know. I feel more protected in a way. Of course. Yeah. And I am enjoying that. And I know that that protection it might be an illusion, but it it makes me feel better. And so I think it's something that everybody's finding how they can feel protected in, if you're in this sphere, if you're in the public eye, what's your version of that? You know, mine was leaving social media. Um, What kind of restrictions or boundaries do you have in place for yourself? Like, I mean, we just in our community, like stand up comedy and all this stuff, like we've heard everything. We've heard people moving. We've had people moving to feel safer, leaving the state. (laughs) We've had, you know, people quitting, people leaving their profession that they love to feel safer. I mean, it's, it's across the board with what people do to create boundaries for themselves as a public figure. So I think, um, I feel uh, part of me feels really bad because I'm, I'm never going to have to deal with it at the level of, of you and Taylor, you know, right. and I see what you guys go through and it's, can, it can be very heartbreaking. And part of right. me feels guilty that I've been able to opt out of a lot of that just because of the, the change of my career path and everything. Um, right. so I'm more just, it's a concern for my friends at the end of the day, you know, this whole right. thing is I, I feel fine. Um, yeah. but it's, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel knowing that as you build your career, that being on social media and putting yourself out there in a lot of ways is an element of like a tool to get you to these goals that you have. And that it's something that, you know, you kind of have to keep around in a way, or, you know, obviously you don't have to, but you know that it's going to be easier for your career if you have it. 
it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's the whole, like, we created a monster, that saying in terms of you look at social at your social media and for so long you're just like, oh, I just want it to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it gets to a certain point and you go, oh, God. Right. <laughs> what did I do? What I what? Now there's like all these yeah. people. And um, yeah, it's like I mentioned before, it's it's not black and white. There's all this gray area to it where there, I, I absolutely love so many parts of um, being able to connect with a lot of people and feel so nice both here on the podcast and just on my, you know, Instagram, if somebody's a stand-up fan, to get messages that are like, the podcast changed my life, or mm-hmm. your stand-up made me feel so much better during a really dark day. Those sort of things. Those are a, awesome. What yes. a cool thing to get to experience that I wouldn't get to if I wasn't trying to live a more public life. Absolutely. But yeah, it's it is um, it is scary because it, you feel like you lose control. And like you're saying, right. you deleting your social media makes you feel more in control. And something – I joke about this with Taylor a lot where you get to a point where you, you start posting things. And if you have a certain number of followers, you can almost guarantee that there's going to be a handful of people that take something the wrong way or right. like um, – are just like, let's be honest, people are fucking weird. Like (laughs) some of the things that people think (laughs) blow my mind where I'm like, why would you interpret me saying that (laughs) as that? Or like people are just so strange sometimes. And, um, and not just that, but this is a little bit like what we were talking about before where people feel so entitled to to your to having access to you and that girl who i mentioned was getting all this hate for not having posted a youtube video in a while well Mm -hmm. meanwhile she's mourning grieving right grieving um she posted something on twitter that was like hey it seems like my instagram is down um i just did a post but i just it seems like i'm not getting a bunch of engagement is anybody else having instagram problems and i saw some tweets from people to her being like Oh, that makes so much sense. Like I've been, I've been sending you DMs for the past like two years and you never respond. So like, but I just sent you one just now and maybe that's why like just people who are unwell and unstable and don't understand that this person who has like millions, millions of followers. Yeah. That they're just statistically the chances of them actually seeing that person's message are quite low. Right. And then if they want to open themselves up in that way to respond to the message is a whole other statistic of like the probability is very low. But people just feel – people genuinely are like, I don't understand why she's not responding to me. And it's like, right. why don't you understand that this person has like 6 million followers? I mean, it's – absolutely. That is pretty mind-blowing to me. Yeah. And I think anybody can really relate to that, even if you might not be in the public 
space, but just, I mean, if your boss starts bothering you after hours when you're at home, it's like that, that entitlement can, can leak into a lot of different things where you find yourself having to set boundaries, whether it's with, you know, coworkers or, or supervisors or your family to create that space for yourself. Because even with, even with just phones, being able to text and call people, whatever, and email, people feel entitled to your response and they feel entitled to a response quickly. And so you have to train people that you are not always available, um, you know, at their beck and call. Um, Right. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I was going to say is that, oh yeah, the, the positive interactions are fantastic. The positive messages that you get from people, um, even I've run into, you know, running into helpsters in real life, like running into our listeners at like a restaurant or on the street. And, and it's so much fun. And we we give each other a hug. We take a picture, we have a chat. It's a, it's a cool experience. That is obviously we don't hug each other. It's COVID right now, but yeah, um, (laughs) that type of thing is really neat. And that's something that, um, you know, unfortunately, like even all of that positive stuff, for me, a lot of the negative stuff still outweighed all that. And it's significantly more positive than it is negative. But even though the small percent is very negative, some of that small percent is really, really dark. And that is enough to have, it's enough to say, shit, I really don't want to miss out on these positive interactions, but I feel like I don't have a choice but to block off everything. And that means I'm not going to be seeing the positive stuff either. Um, So that's really tough because, you know, that kind of ruins part of the experience for me, at least as somebody who has some, some form of public job. Um, Right. But I really value those, those messages and experiences where people are saying kind things and we're connecting on that level. And it does feel very, very, it genuine and authentic because you know that they know you very well because of <laughs> listening to you yeah. and they're coming and they're coming at that with a lot of love. So that's, that's a really neat experience that obviously I would not be having if they weren't for this podcast. Right. God, if only you could apply a filter to your Instagram <laughs> or whatever, where you only, you only ever see the nice things. And it's, right. I do feel like I've gotten so fortunate with the Trumpet Tuesday videos with my dad. I stand by that somehow this thing we've made continues to just be so positive. Like we're so lucky that 99.9% of the comments on these videos are people that are just like, having a blast watching them, leaving song requests. And I love jumping into 
the comment section for those videos because it's, to me, that is a fun way to connect with, with everybody and be like, oh my God, fucking great song request, adding it to the list. Like mm-hmm. I get hyped up about it and I have so much fun. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's some stuff I obviously want to talk about, some celebrities and yeah. they've said, but do you want to kind of get into that portion of it? Totally. Yeah. So um, we touched on it last episode, the Britney Spears documentary. And to me, one of the most, um, I don't know, fascinating parts of watching it was seeing how she started as this just young girl uh, with a dream in a small town. And she exploded onto the scene and into this massive stardom in such a way that like people just kicked the door down into her life. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, Papa. <laughs> Yeah, the scenes of paparazzi following her in swarms. I just, um, I just don't know how somebody doesn't go through what she's gone through. And um, mm-hmm. we talked a little earlier about the sort of double standard with being a female performer versus male, and that was a big theme in the Britney Spears documentary and how just makes your stomach turn watching these oh, yeah. interviews of her when she's like, what, 16, 17, kid. 18, yeah. literally like a kid and on talk shows, them asking, so, Brittany, are you still a virgin? Mm-hmm. And that one guy who's like, so the, we the thing we have to talk about are your breasts. You yeah. Talk about, you're just like, oh, God. what is happening right now? Oh yeah. Or the creepy old guy. And she's like seven and he's like, do you have a boyfriend? Can I be your boyfriend? I'm like, what? This was not that long ago. Am I watching the fucking twilight zone? What is what's happening here? Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And just, it was so hard to watch. Very creepy. And I, I'm God, I've even, uh, you know, we've obviously talked about this, but experiencing that in a, in a, in a way with standup where being interviewed by uh, about certain things and they only want to ask you about dating and sex. And then your male counterpart might go up and get interviewed and they're talking about their career and their jokes and yeah. they're this. And I'm like, Holy shit. I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I could resonate with this in, in certain ways as well. Um, yeah. And God, the magazine articles talking about losing her virginity, the game show that was all about like, was it like family feud? What what has Britney Spears lost this year? And it's just rattling off a list of things. It's like she, she, you know, people, people who are in the public can just be up for grabs and we collectively can keep hurting them over and over and over again. You know, we think we're laughing at like just an easy punchline and this is somebody's life, you know, somebody's like mental health, their well-being, that family feud. I, I've completely forgot about that. That is, it seems like it's out of a movie. Like it seems Mm -hmm. like it's something, a scene that somebody just made up because you're like, how could this have actually happened? But yeah, there was an episode of Family Feud and one of them was, what are the things that Britney's lost? And people are like, her kids, ha, yeah. ha, 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 her hair, her hair, ha, ha. Her, her mind, her, yeah, sanity. her sanity. Yeah. And it's like, ping, 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 ping. Horrible. 
horrible. Just, oof, man. Um, So when you asked the question earlier, like, how do you feel about people who say that when you sign up for a public life, you sign up for everything? It's like. Didn't sign up for that. Didn't sign up for, like, nobody should be treated like that. No, no. Also, when your life starts getting threatened or the people that you love, their life starts getting threatened or your community or something, shit stops being as fun. (laughs) You know, shit stops being as fun. And you started off with just a pure love and joy for something. And there was this darkness that you just never asked for, you know, in all of these people's lives. Um, I thought it was also fascinating to watch other women in this documentary interviewing Britney Spears and asking, what did you do to hurt Justin Timberlake? That's, oh. I mean, obviously you're the reason you guys broke up because you're a lady whore. I mean, like, what? I don't know what the fuck that even, it was insane to me, but what did you do, Britney? What did you do? Um, just this blaming, blaming of, of, uh, uh, oh God, it was, it was so painful to watch. And I was realizing this was very recent. This was like the nineties. This is, it was so recent. Was so it's early so 2000s. scary. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, holy shit. Um, um, Kels, oh my God, the moment, even interviewing Britney's brother. And he was saying that there's a lot of strong-minded women in the family and they just want to do what they want to do. And then the interviewer was like, sounds like a basic human right to me. Like you know, something like that. Or I'm like, what is, I, I just, I can't, I don't know. And, and obviously, mind-blowing. you know, we're making assumptions of people. I realize the irony in this. I'm not saying this was some, this was footage from a while ago. I'm hoping a lot of these people have grown in certain ways, the way that we have in certain ways and have changed their mind about, a woman's place in society, but we're just going off of this footage they were showing us from, um, yeah, right, and early nineties and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, our of course our reaction to that is to be horrified. Like, yes. who, who wouldn't be horrified by it? Um, yeah, it's if you haven't watched the documentary, it's on Hulu, and it just really is this um, this wild look into fame at it's most horrifying, Mm. (laughs) like that it's most nightmarish where she doesn't, her rights are taken away. She has this conservatorship where she, Mm -hmm. it's just so crazy. Um, Yeah. You you mentioned that you wanted to talk about um, something with Oprah. Yes, I do. I also wanted to mention that from, from Brittany, the, where they're interviewing the paparazzi too. And they're, they're like, uh, and the paparazzi said something like, well, she never said to go away. And the interviewer was like, what about the times that she said to go away? And it was just nothing like a shrug. Like what? I mean, it, it blew my mind. I, I, it was an interesting, I didn't even know what a conservatorship was. I obviously you hear about, you know, stalker issues and all those other things that can happen with a public person. But I didn't realize there was like this legal agreement out there that could keep you kind of trapped in something that was Again, I didn't know what I didn't know. That was it was fascinating. I would say uh, something that this made me think in a way where they mentioned that um, something very positive about social media is that you get to control your narrative and that she started kind of taking her power back a little bit with social media in in a way where she was able to kind of say things directly to people and stuff like that. So I thought that was very fascinating. Um, But yeah, I do want to I want to share something. I big fan of Oprah. I, uh, 
when I was homeschooled, I would watch Oprah every single day at 4 p.m. She was basically my school buddy. Uh, we were basically classmates. Um, and I always have just found her to be very inspiring. Um, and so I kind of looked up things that maybe she has said because she's also very open and, and, and vulnerable. And so there's an article I found on madammenor.com. And um, in one of the O magazines, Oprah was talking about how her worst fear kind of happened where there was these horrible accusations about her. And um, she said, this is Oprah's words, imagine sitting cozily in your bed when you get a phone call telling you that you're trending on Twitter and you discover it's a bogus and vile story that you were arrested and your home was raided for sex trafficking and child pornography. This is Oprah. This is her sitting at home. Um, And she said, I can't and don't want to imagine an uglier accusation. At first I was confused, like, yes, that's my name, but I'm in my bed in my PJs and socks. And somehow Oprah, hashtag Oprah arrested is a thing. My worst fear realized being slandered, accused of a crime I did not commit. And she just kind of continues to share that even after decades in the limelight. I mean, Oprah's one of the most famous people on planet Earth, you could argue. She still hasn't become accustomed to reading false stories about herself. Um, She says, in 1988, I pulled a wagon carrying 67 pounds of fat on stage during what is still the highest rated Oprah show ever. From that day forward, I was exploited regularly with false, crude, inappropriate stories about me and food, and then about me and Stedman, and then about me and Gail, anything and everything that could sell a tabloid. Every week, another lie to ignore or deny. I never got used to it. I always feared what the next false headline would be. Why? Because I knew for sure that while a lot of people dismiss the stories, a lot of other people believe them. Um, And she just kind of talks about how her fear of being falsely accused goes deeper than just the challenging experience of being a public figure. Right. Um, Yeah, but just her fear of being punished for something that she didn't do, um, where that stems from, and... uh, yeah, it's just she feels a lot of sadness when this happens. She it's more about what the world is becoming, you know, and how yeah. easy it is to slice, destroy, and cancel someone with vitriol. How easily yeah. people she says how easily people swallow and spread that vitriol with gleeful memes. You know, they take something right. that's so dark and they make it like attainable for consumption or almost like digestible. Um, so yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah Mad- you can read that full article, but, um, I thought that was interesting. Like somebody like Oprah has been dealing with this for years and she's like, yeah, you, but you just don't get used to it. This is just something yeah. that you have to kind of manage and it sucks. <laughs> well, that's the, the other side of the coin to what you're saying about, oh, it's so great that Brittany can control some of her, her narrative through social media is like, unfortunately, so can everybody else. Yes. And so if people want to try to be crazy and do, do all of that, they can and can cut people down. And it's, yeah, it's like everybody feels so powerful online. Um, the fake news. I could Photoshop a picture of me and Jason Sudeikis, and uh, and I'm saying Jason because I watched Ted Lasso and it's amazing. Oh my god, <laughs> like, Ted Lasso is so good. So good. I could picture. It's so good, dude. It's so it's fantastic. One of my favorite shows I've seen in a long time. But yeah. you know, I could Photoshop a picture of me and Jason together, uh, where it looks like we're on a date, and then spread that all around the internet 
uh, with headlines and pe- some people would believe it. Exactly. And it's yeah. completely fake. It's me and my <laughs> creepy crush on Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> Photoshop, some Photoshop skills. And I don't have those, obviously, but I'd pay right. somebody, right? And putting it out there. And it's just there. And it looks real enough to where you don't, I mean, yeah. you can question the source and try to figure it out. But it's just mind-blowing with the advances of technology and just digital media and all this stuff, what you can make look what we right. can do it's right kind of terrifying um what an episode Lord. i feel like this was a therapy session <laughs> holy shit dude um well let me read this itunes review of the episode yes. this is from grace elizabeth 1990 um says helped me survive this is exactly what i need to feel like i socialize every day being in isolation and rebuilding my dreams I don't have a lot of opportunities to hang out with like-minded girlfriends. You women are the exact type of women I'd have a blast with. You are my tribe. Thank you. Oh, Grace. That's very sweet, Grace. Thank you. Thank you. That is so, so nice. <laughs> that um, is so, so nice. I just have a hot wreck. So a uh, hot wreck recommendation if you're yes. new to this podcast. <laughs> um, Rachel Ricketts, the racial justice educator who was a guest on Self Helpless a little while back. Her book is finally available. Um, so you can go to rachelricketts.com. Her book is called Do Better, Spiritual Activism for Fighting and Healing from White Supremacy. All the information is on her website. I highly recommend joining her newsletter as well so you can stay up to date with all of her work and announcements and all that. So um, let's uh, let's let's just take this information in that she has graciously put into this book for us to learn from. And uh, yeah, I just want to plug that. For sure. That's awesome. Um, well, <clears throat> should we should we wrap up for the day? Do you have anything that you would like to I send off with? I can I just uh, I mean we I do have segments, but also I'm trying yeah. to we, we want to do an acupuncture episode soon, and so I don't want to like get too into the update I was gonna give because I kind of want to save it for okay. the episode. So sounds good to me. We need yeah. a new a new segment where we where we keep some shit to ourselves for later. <laughs> Right. We'll we'll figure what that one is. Putting them in the bank for the bank segment. Um, Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. Well, we love you very much. And thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to Self Helpless. We really appreciate it and would love anything you can do to help the show grow and get the word out. So if you could leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that helps us move up the iTunes charts. If you can tell a friend, a coworker, a family member, anybody that you think would love the podcast, you can also screenshot an episode and share it in your Instagram, in your Instagram stories, anything helps. Also, if you want more of the show, if you want bonus episodes, if you want to be able to be more interactive and help choose podcast topics, you can go to patreon.com slash self-helpless and join there. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Cook Comedy, on Twitter at Kelsey Cook. You can go to my website, KelseyCook.com, which has links to my online makeup course. You can listen to my album, Savor It, on Spotify and iTunes, and you can watch my foosball web series on YouTube called Wrists of Fury. How about you guys? Where can people find you? You can follow me at Taylor Tomlinson on Instagram and Twitter. My website is ttomcomedy.com. And you can watch my one-hour special streaming on Netflix right now called Quarter Life Crisis. 
Awesome. And you can find me at DelaneyFisher.com. That's where you'll find information about my one-to-one consulting and my online courses. So basically, if you're a business owner, podcaster, or comedian, uh, and you're looking to either start those things or grow those things, you can reach out to me for more information. I also have an email list at DelaneyFisher.com where I share my favorite tools, tips, treats, and free shit. And then we just want to say a big special thank you to our wonderful editor, Emma Erdbrink, and our fantastic associate producer, Humaira Nuwaz. And you can find everything that we all just mentioned at selfhelplesspodcast.com. 